Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 204 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the Kinky Cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present our annual New Year's show with eight Kinky Cast crew members. Here is what you couldn't talk about at the Christmas dinner table. Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. This time it's a little different. The Beast is here, but I'm going to save him for a minute. Directly to stereo left of me is Lee. Hi. Hi, Woody. Then going around in a circle is Anne. Hey, Woody. And there's the Beast. Yes, yes. I'm in this beautiful room with all this lovely female flesh. See how you are? I know. I'm a dog. I just can't get with the, with the current environment, I guess. Well, then introduce the rest of the people. Okay. And on around, we have Tarek. How y'all doing this evening? Mistress. Hello. Hi, Marla. Hello. And the ever-lovely, bodacious Kate. Hi, Lord Beast. What a uh, august group we have here. Uh, it's the end of the year, and we always save this episode to kind of look back and review what has happened this year. A lot has happened this year. Most recently, we saw all the uh, sex scandals with the famous people and people getting fired. We see a rather tight political situation, rather conservative, that is a little hard on us kinksters. So there's lots of interesting stuff out there. Kate, what are you seeing? Everything I'm seeing pretty much terrifies me. The political climate, social climate, everything seems to be hardening and drawing in. There's less room for a middle ground. People are more polarized than ever before. I'll warn you up front, as we talk about a year in review, you you might have to get a tranquilizer dart at some point if I start on a rant about the current leadership in this country. I'll try to contain myself. Okay. Beast? Oh, she seems to have summed it up really well. I see a lot of erosion and freedoms this year. While the scandals are bringing to light some things that should have been brought to our attention years ago, I see it also creating a lot of confusion and concern as we move into a new era of interpersonal actions. So last week we had uh, Susan Wright on, and uh, she was talking about some of the uh, sexual assaults that were going on with high-profile people. It's interesting when you get to lower-profile people, you know, the average person on the street that's at work that may be accosted by an upper-level boss or something. I don't think they're getting the same press that uh, movie stars and... I don't know about that, Woody. We are hearing uh, chefs and NPR lost their vice president of news, and it's all throughout our culture right now that... They're going to cover what's going to sell the most paper, what's going to grab the biggest headlines. I agree that they are focusing more on those high-profile cases. And one of the things that gets me about this whole situation is how so many people were shocked 
when all of this started coming out. And I'm thinking, this has been a woman's life forever of knowing that this stuff happens, that it can happen, and knowing that you don't have many outlets for being believed if you do try to speak out against it. I think it's great that it's getting a lot of attention. I think it's great that people are talking about it, but I'm not that surprised by it, to be honest. For how many years have we heard people talk about a woman sleeping her way to the top and taking that as the woman being the aggressor, when really, in order for a woman, in a lot of cases, to even keep her job, she had to appease her male employers. Exactly. And they've called it the casting couch for many years. Mm -hmm. This brings up a lot of thoughts for me going back as far as I remember in middle school, three of the guys in my class, nice guys that were supposedly my friends, followed me out to the parking lot on the way to the playground and decided they were going to play cop and they wanted to frisk me. Really? And they thought it was a joke. I even went home and told my mother, and it wasn't like I was traumatized. I was just annoyed. I was pissed off that they felt they could do this. I never took jokes like that very well. And my mother just kind of laughed it off and said, well, that just means they like you. Ooh, this is the culture we've seen in the past. Uh, women have enabled part of this, too, just like your mother did in that case. Oh, uh, we're going to have an argument about this, uh, aren't we? Well, let me interject here. We have had a backlash against feminism for the last... 10, 15 years, I've got young students that are like, well, I'm not a feminist. And I'm like, well, do you believe that you should be able to do what a guy does? Well, yeah, I believe that. Well, then you're a feminist, honey. Mm -hmm. And most of the guys in my classes, they're feminists too, but they'll never claim it because they don't understand the dynamics. We're not teaching about group dynamics. That We're not teaching been... <clears throat> about how to interact with each other in respectful kind ways. That word has been taken and, and turned into a negative thing by people who don't like what it means. So they attack the word, they make the word something bad. So nobody wants to claim it when in reality, you're exactly right. Just about everybody with a brain is. Well, I think feminist, uh, the the movement was become so aggressive to try to get their points across at times that they did create this situation of the backlash. Now, I'm not saying that they weren't right in what they were trying to, to accomplish, but there was a lot of perception that they were. But, misogyny. you know, men are aggressive all the time. And when they speak about something, they come across as very aggressive, but yet they're not. They're patted on the back for it, yeah, which is totally wrong. Exactly. Misogyny is so interwoven. Oh, into, but it's locker room talk. Right. <laughs> It's so interwoven into our society that women are just as guilty as men of accusing a woman of sleeping her way to the top or being a slut or dressing inappropriately or it's your fault or they're just being boys or whatever it is that is so interwoven into our society that women have to actively, constantly, actively check their thoughts their reactions and their words, because I catch myself doing it. I catch my daughter doing it. I, you know, they make the jokes that are just commonplace all the time. And it's not any different than racism. It's not any different than any other ism that is disrespectful of people, degrading to their being. And all of this, you can blame it on women, or men can take some responsibility for having 
created and forwarded that and benefited from that thinking for all of these years. Oh, men have definitely benefited from it, and we've been in the wrong for, for, for doing it. But I'm just saying it's a larger cultural issue. For a long time. Than just simply blaming a single gender. It's a larger cultural issue. And that's that's my point is it's a it's pervasive across the whole culture. I've got a boss that insists on putting women on this pedestal that they are supposed to be served first. They're supposed to get their food first and I all like of that. Him. And that really doesn't fit in a equal culture. And he doesn't he honestly thinks that's the right thing to do. He's falling into that Southern gentleman culture of being erased to show respect for women. Being chivalrous. But the flip side of that is so often, have you ever caught him expecting less of his female employees? or Well, she's just a woman. Yeah. He does that. So it goes hand in hand. Yeah. It's it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. please, Please don't ever, as a man, please don't ever say, well, you like me holding the door open for you. Well, holding the door open for me is not the same thing as grabbing my ass. I don't say that you like that. I'm saying that we need to stop perpetuating that just as much as we do anything else. Well, that's agreed. But I'm saying you point out the benefit that they're getting from his. I'm not saying it's a benefit. Okay. I'm not saying it's a benefit at all. I think it is weakening the woman for them to project that. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that point. I think it is demeaning to the woman to put her in that special category. If you want equality of the genders, there should be equality across the board. Well, once or twice I have had a man try to hold the door when it was inconvenient for him. He's got his hands full. And I'm like, no, please go. And he's like, no, I can't. He just couldn't let me not go first. So I just went first and said to hell with it. We're in an interesting situation right now to where uh, people are calling people out with little backup to what happened. You know, they say if there's any kind of witnesses, then that's enough to fire somebody. And we're in a situation where the electronic world, I heard this on Glenn Beck today. Um, He is saying that if you're trying to get rid of somebody, uh, we can go in and doctor the video and put their face on a different body and show them going into a brothel or something like that. Those are his words. And he's right. We do have the ability to convict anybody of whatever by switching faces, switching bodies, putting somebody that's in one place, putting them in a different place. And so the accusatory climate that we're in could be judge and jury very quickly and send somebody to jail. I'm not defending sexual predators here. What I'm saying is there's a possibility that an innocent person can be turned into a sexual predator. And that's pretty scary. So difficult to prosecute and have a guilty verdict to get a conviction. Okay, now you're talking about conviction, but uh, we've seen people be fired from high-profile jobs in one day. Yep, it's unfortunate. There could be a whole trial behind that that we don't know how that's going to go, but we know that they've lost their job instantly. Well, what I wonder on a lot of them is like Matt Lauer really shocked a lot of people, including myself. And how fast they reacted was kind of mitigated or or supported by how many stories the minute it came out, how many people were going, yeah, he's always done this, we've known this, we've heard these reports, just nobody would ever do anything about it. I would have thought when they got the bill, when they got the bill for the button, yeah, that somebody would have said, what, why does he have a button to lock his door? I mean, I would have thought that would have been a red flag. Yeah, you'd think. Somebody would have said 15 years ago. Hey, there might be an issue here. Where is the responsibility for his superiors 
that they ignored these claims? Are they not just as guilty? Oh, Correct. I would agree. Correct. But I, I, for the ignoring these for years and Yeah, years. they're claiming they never heard the stories. They're all <laughs> claiming they never heard it. But what I was saying, why I brought that up was responding to if people, if sometimes some of these that are acting so fast, I'm wondering if they knew, if there is a background of where, well, we kind of got caught out. We knew this guy was, was a predator and we never stopped it. Now we better get in front of it. Well, we got the Franken case. Franken I put in a totally different category. But he's still lumped into this same group here. Yeah, but he's, he, number one, there's not the history of it there. Number two, he was a comedian at a time when comedians Correct. were supposed to act like 13-year-old boys. Correct, yeah. Um, yeah, they were out frisking girls in the parking lot because they thought it was funny. We thought it was funny. I, yes. We, as a culture, thought it was funny. Well, I never really thought it was funny. But that plays right back into the misogyny bred into the fabric of our society. True. We all laughed at those jokes. We've all laughed at a dumb blonde joke. We've all laughed at a, a slut joke. We've all laughed at those jokes. And not necessarily because we thought they were funny, but we were supposed to think they were funny. If we didn't think they were funny, we were the bitch. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the feminist with no sense of humor who wants to cut off a man's balls because we couldn't laugh at a joke. But, Kate, you were talking about on the uh, uh, earlier, you still got a security person at your work. Yeah. That is, that is making the joke about the blondes having more fun in this day and age. Yeah, he's a very nice guy. I really liked him. I thought we were, you know, I recently colored my hair. It's mostly blonde now. And every time he's seen me is so, are blondes having more fun? The first time it was, okay, yeah. Second time it's like, this is getting old. Third time it's like, you do it again, I'm going to speak to you about it. And just say, hey, that's not funny. I mean, what are, you, what are you implying? Can you not think of anything better? I know he just means it as passing, but it's one of those jokes that, well, what are you supposed to mean by that? And then I had somebody in the cafeteria, another guy I work with, came up the other day and said, well, I guess this is the wrong time to be bringing mistletoe to work. And I said, yeah, Jack, you're probably right. And I happened to be wearing reindeer antlers at the time. So then he says, well, nice rack. Uh, let me check the date. Funny. Is this 2017 really? And, yes. and this kind of crap is still going on? Yes. This is stuff that you'd think happened in the 50s, maybe in the 60s. Or in seventh grade. But okay, but did you report him to your human resources? No, because that would create a, again, it's that rock the boat. You don't want to be the one that got a popular person in trouble with HR. But that is, that's the mentality while we haven't advanced. You know, it, it takes effort to make change happen. Well, I chose to deal with it by telling him. Okay, know, well, that, then that was good. So you did address You shut it down. Correct. Yeah. So, so you educate him. Okay, that's good. Both people? Not the security guard. You're going to speak to the security guard next time? Yes, I will speak to the security guard next time. Okay. I was uh, walking down the hall at work um, a couple months ago, and one of the female workers that was there came up to me and said, that's a really nice color on you. And then all of a sudden she realized that she was making a semi-personal remark to me. And then she backed it down. She says, oh, I, I didn't mean anything by it. And she just started, you know, mopping up around this. And I'm going, all you did was say you liked the color on me. So we're, we're trying to find a balance between political correctness, what we're allowed to say to somebody. If somebody looks nice, I think it's a nice thing to say, but it's not like I want to go to bed with you. Well, there's a difference between somebody saying, hey, that color of that shirt really looks good on you. And somebody going, hey... That sure looks good on you. <laughs> yeah. Those right jeans right. are really yeah. cupping those. Uh, uh, uh. Well, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's is everything, yeah. isn't it? Well, and, and it, it amazes me that some people claim they don't get that. Well, I can attest to having many students that 
are probably on the spectrum and they don't. And they just don't get it? They just don't get it. Wow. So things can be said and it may inadvertently make them think or feel a certain way when that's not the way it was meant at all. A couple of years ago, we hired a new VP of admissions. He started maybe two months before Christmas. He came from a very different culture. There is an extremely attractive young lady who directly reported to him for Christmas in front of her team of all women. He gave her a gift card to Victoria's Secret. Oh, okay. And his argument when called, I mean, and he was immediately called on it was they sell sweatpants at Victoria's Secret. She could buy sweatpants. Now, everybody knew what he intended, including herself. He defended himself and denied it today. He will still deny that there was any intent behind that gift card. Did he give everybody a gift card? He did not. Oh. All of his other direct reports were men. He didn't give them anything. Uh Okay. Well, it's pretty clear then. Right. And no matter how you presented the evidence to him. Okay. So did you all go to HR or did she go to HR? She went to HR. I went to HR. There were multiple instances. The one that he didn't understand with me specifically was he and I were having a conversation. I'm 10 years older than him. He had a bit, definitely had a type that was at least 10 years younger than him. So he and I were having a conversation in the hallway and a younger female employee walked past and he put his finger up to stop me from talking while he watched her walk past mm. and followed around the corner. And break his neck. Yes. But this gentleman still employed, wasn't he? Well, he was. I went to HR. Several people went to HR. There was a whole process behind it. I mean, he was disciplined. He had to attend sensitivity training and some other stuff. But yes, he still had a job. Three years, he's, he doesn't work there now, but he's, he had a job there for another couple of years. And he never changed. Like, it wasn't so blatant. It was still the same. It was still uncomfortable. And it was still difficult. And I was probably only one of two or three people who continually called him on it. And some people never learn. Right. He never got it. He never understood. He defended it all the time. His tone, like, he, he didn't understand tone. He didn't understand the context of you're giving something to this employee but not these employees. They're all men. She's a female. You don't understand that? No. Special consideration. Right. Well, there's also, and this is one of the, the downsides of sensitivity training, and some of them learn how to hide it. They learn what not to say in front of witnesses or how not to. They become a better criminal. Yes, yeah. exactly. So that they leave themselves an out of saying, oh, I didn't, I didn't mean it that way. But you can't always affect that change by just in telling them what not to say or do. But a predator. Yeah. A predator is always going to be honing their skills. Someone who really innocently or maybe not so innocently, but they weren't necessarily a predator, will learn from it. Where a predator just learns how to do it better. Recently, I had to go through Title IX training. There's four different modules to this, and one of them was for supervisory level. Every year, we have to be recertified and make sure that we don't offend or trigger or any of these things, people, male or female. And since I'm in a supervisory role, I have to be careful that I don't put on somebody to make them uncomfortable. We're not just talking about sexual, just any kind of thing where I'm 
putting some pressure on somebody that is unfair to one person versus another. There's a whole balance thing out there that we are held to a very high accountability on. We have not had much, at the staff level, sexual harassment at my employment, but um, certainly in the more office-type environments, I see it all the time. I used to work in an office environment in California, a big multinational company. The main boss at this uh, place had six sexual harassment suits, both from male and females, that cost the, the corporation hundreds of thousands of dollars in settlements to shut them up. Yes, to shut them up in non-disclosure agreements and all sorts of things to put it back in the shadows. Right. He never had any legal issues come at him over the, the six cases. In the NPR case, for example, where they fired their vice president of news, they exempted him from taking the training. Most of our state legislators across the country have been exempted from sexual harassment training. Explain that for a second. Why? Who do you think makes the rules? Whoever yeah. makes the rules doesn't have to abide by them. Yep. If that's the case, then we're in deeper shit than... Oh, we are. Mm-hmm. We're going to implode. We have an admitted, self-proclaimed sexual assaulter in the, yeah, in the White House. We elected after we knew, after we as a country knew that he blatantly assaulted women. And we've heard the women talk about it before we elected him. We heard him talk about it. He admitted it. We heard years ago when his first wife filed charges that he had raped her several times. She can't rape a woman you're married to. Exactly. Oh, yes, you can. Well, well I'm being that sarcasm. What? Since 1985, maybe. I mean, that, that yeah. law was passed only 30 years ago. But I'm sorry. The laws don't apply to him. They don't. You know, he's special. In his brain, Well, yes. he is special. <laughs> yeah. Short, but yeah. special. Well, and see, but then we do that joke. And You're right. That is, that, and that's, that's probably very insensitive. And that's thing. insensitive. Oh, very insensitive. It is. It's insensitive to people who are truly handicapped or disabled uh, uh, developmentally. Yes, that is true. It is. I apologize and, for that. And that just underscores the problem in our culture that we are insensitive to each other across the board. Men to women, race, color, creed, orientation. I apologize to all of the orange people I have insulted over the last 500 days. Are you singling <laughs> orange people out right now? I am. <laughs> well, yeah. I need to apologize to the Cheetos as well. <laughs> but see, here's here's the cost of diversity, you know? Yeah, correct. That is true. If you want to live in a diverse society, then we all have to kind of understand how we're all advantaged and how we're all disadvantaged and understand that just because I'm disadvantaged by my gender or my sex or my sexuality, somebody else is disadvantaged because of their sexuality, their race, their class. And once we can start to understand how we're all disadvantaged, maybe we can come together and change some stuff. Well, the thing about it. Are we going to open up our ears? That's going to be the big question. I just wonder, is it just going to come to a time where everybody just snaps and loses? Just say, the hell with it. Whatever happens, happens. I don't care. That's what I'm wondering. Is it coming down to that? Well, I mean, I think it's closer than you think it is. Because mentally, even in my neighborhood, I've seen a complete change. The other day, the neighbor was jogging, and the dog was real small. And what happened? The dog got off the leash. Now, it it was just barking, but I'm looking at the other neighbor, who was about six, seven, and he's doing this unnecessary panicking. And I'm looking at him, really, and he's talking about calling the police and pressing charges. 
And I'm like, come on, you know. So it's just, it's just, it's just getting where it's, is it getting real finicky now? It just, you know, it's just some of the stuff. Yeah. At one point, we called it political correctness. Ever since the change in the White House, people said, well, that's the end of political correctness. I'm not sure that that it is that. However, it's being lumped into that. Well, a lot of people have come out and said when they've done atrocious things, well, president can do it. Why can't I? He sort of made it okay for certain people to think they can. Mm -hmm. If the president can do it. Bigotry, prejudice, all the things that go with it are now okay again. Well, it's not just that they're okay. I mean, we've got a large proportion of our society that is definitely under economic stress. And that economic stress allows for us to unravel very quickly. We've seen it before. We will see it again. And until people understand how these group dynamics are agitated by those social, political, and economic forces on the macro level, shit ain't going to change. But it's not only uh, poor people that are aggravated. Oh, I'm not saying that. It's just the poor. I said economic stress. Okay. So we have a large portion of white middle class young men who are now feeling disenfranchised and they are ripe for the picking of the KKK and other extremist groups. And we've seen it. Well, because so many of them grew up expecting to come into this white male biased society where they had the end and now people are going, no, 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 no. And they're like, this isn't fair. We didn't get our turn. Well, 12 years ago, I was teaching at a university, and it's a it's an engineering university. And I heard all of this stuff in the classes I was teaching. Yeah, these women and these minorities, they're taking my job. I'm like, hey, dude, your name on that job? Well, no. <laughs> then it ain't your job. You're going to have to compete with everybody else just the way everybody else does. It's like the huge backlash. It seemed like I was never prouder of my country than the two days, two election days, when I woke up and found that Barack Obama had been elected. Because I thought, oh my God, we've finally gotten to a point where this country, the majority, will elect the person most qualified and see beyond what's on the surface. And then the pendulum swung backwards 250 years. That's what I'm saying. I think it unleashed a lot of, I, I think the people who lost in the Obama election were angrier than we ever realized. And now they're seizing that opportunity. The backlash has just been huge. Kate, one thing I want to say about that is we're talking about 50% of the country. Every election is right down to 5149, somewhere in there. So half the country is pissed off about A, and the other half is pissed off about B. Yes, you're right. And so it's going to, and the pendulum swings back and forth every four, eight years. But But it hasn't swung this far. Yeah, I saw things. I mean, I had friends who were. I can't even remember who in the hell ran against Obama last time, um, that when when he was elected that next day, they were in tears, literally, her, just hysterical on the, how he was going to... the country was going to hell. Exactly. And then, <laughs> then Trump's elected, and I'm on the other end. I'm the one right. sobbing into my pillow going, I don't want to be in this country anymore. We also have to be aware of where we are, I yeah. mean, region-wise. Yeah. And I think this region, since we are embedded in this region, it's... We see things much differently. Well, I keep wanting I don't to know. Hope, if you're speaking Southerners, I keep hoping that we've progressed some. But Inkster? I'm from Wisconsin. I realized 35 years ago that my family was more, much more racist than I believed them to be. But when Barack Obama was elected, I found out that everybody is a racist. Like everybody. Everybody I knew. Everybody I thought I knew. I can't open my Facebook feed since Obama was elected and not see some kind of horrible. Oh, I know. I mean, just horrible 
cartoon or meme or, you know, whatever. Right. And it brought it out. I And I said this to Marla today. I have to wonder if Barack Obama hadn't been black, would we have Trump right now? That's a good point. Good point. I mean, yeah. that's how far they were willing to go to say, we are not going to have, you know, we're, we're taking this country back from what? What? You know, during this, the people that I've seen that have been calm with this whole situation in which the country is going is, in my family, the elderly, my mom, my great uncles, they're originally from southern Alabama. For some reason, it's not shocking them. It's like they've lived through this correct, before. Yeah, because yeah. growing up, we would ask questions when we were young, and all you would hear is, "You don't want to know what happened. You don't want to know." But even with this whole situation, uh, they can watch TV, and they're like, "It just doesn't affect them." With me, or you know, the younger generation, it's just really not bothering them. Apparently, it's not the shock that it is to a lot of other Correct. younger people. Correct, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Weren't, they hadn't gotten to the point where they thought we were improving. They're like, yeah, this is what people have always been. Yeah, yeah. But the thing to keep in mind, they're voters also. Correct. Until they're energized, if they're just going, well, that's the way it was, you know, yeah. 50 years ago. Yeah. That's a problem, too. Correct, yeah. We got to serious problems about our current situation. Our judiciary is shifting, and those are lifetime positions. Oh, correct. And... So- we're only going to see more post, more of the vacancies that were held open artificially long, filled by conservatives, and we're going to see these lasting effects for. Them. You use the word conservative. I think there's some other words that go in there. Mm. Far leaning to the right, libertarian. Mm. For for instance, but there's a financial installment here somewhere. You know, these people are taking it because they are rich, because they are entitled. And uh, you know, political leaning aside, uh, they bought a position. The judges that were up recently, that the senators were asking if they knew the, the laws, procedures, if they'd ever been in a courtroom, for instance, and they're going to be <laughs> yeah. a judge. Yeah. Come on, give me a break here. It's a comedy skit. It is. Yeah, I thought that was really I thought a that was, I, I thought that Saturday Night Live. Yeah. yeah. I constantly yeah. look at the news and, and, and see things like those appointments where the guy has, has been out of law school for, what, two years? And I'm thinking, how did we get here? This is just it's so absurd. Don't they study for two years after law school to even take the bar? This guy even had the American Bar Association mark him as not qualified. Right. Yeah. Have you seen some of Trump's people he's uh, appointed? I mean, his, his son's wedding planner? <laughs> Literally, I, when you look at a whole list, you realize just how insane this has gotten. And you're right that there's a monetary thing here. And what we're, I think we're, we're more and more in danger of is outright class warfare. It is definitely oh, yeah. headed in that direction. You know, when I went through management school and all that, I was always told to surround myself with really intelligent people that would make me look better. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at the White House and then you look at him surrounding himself with these nimnals. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, let's step back. We have this ideology in the United States that those who are wealthy have done it right. They pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. Well, maybe they didn't. Or they inherited their bootstraps. But they inherited it. And since they are wealthy, they've done no wrong. They've done it right because we live in a capitalist society and that's the way we're supposed to do it. We worship money and power. Right. So we have a whole slew of people who look at those 
people who have been appointed and say, well, look, they're successful because they're rich. They don't understand the backstory of how these people got those positions. Usually they're rich because they weren't uh, afraid of taking advantage of anybody and everybody. Right. It wasn't because they were smart business people. It was because they were underhanded crooked. They were able to manipulate the system Mm -hmm. to their advantage. Exactly. Because the people in positions of power can write the rules. Well, let's start with the president. And whenever he hired construction workers, how many of them got screwed out of their fees? You know, there's many lawsuits about Mm -hmm. that. There are. And the American populace didn't want to listen then. Maybe they'll want to listen now, but who knows? Well, if you're a coal miner, you know you're going to get your job back, right? Yeah, but even the coal miners don't really (laughs) want their jobs back. They don't want their jobs back. They would like to be trained to do something that doesn't require them to live underground and die of black lung disease. But it's clean coal. No, no, no. no. It's clean coal, apparently. Uh, You keep talking like that, you're going to get an appointment to the cabinet. That's right. So it doesn't matter. But but the American dream. Ideology. It was a great ideology. And we had a lot of people coming from foreign countries Mm -hmm. that seceded at the American dream. Mm -hmm. But now we are back to, back to, we have returned to hostile environment towards these immigrants, forgetting that we had a hostile environment against the Chinese, against the Irish, Mm -hmm. against the Jewish. Mm -hmm. We have had so many hostile environments against the immigrants, and we're returning back to that. But Right, because we don't need them for their labor anymore. And as soon as we don't need someone for their labor anymore, then why do they bother coming? It rolls right back down to that economic stress. And it's really easy to divide because they're taking our jobs. They're taking our jobs. I had one of the things is I have family members now that I can't talk to anymore, including an uncle that we had to ban each other off our Facebook feeds because he kept insisting that the American dream, you know, you can start from nothing and become one of the 1%. And I said, no, you're going by the the 50-year past when certain things were possible that simply aren't possible now. It's like if you look at Monopoly as a illustration, if you st- everybody starts Monopoly with the same amount of stuff, everybody's got the same chance to win. But if you let some people start Monopoly with, oh, uh, my daddy left me this money, all of a sudden they've got an unfair advantage going around the board, and it just gets worse and worse that the people starting with very little who are asked and expected to do it all on their own, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, simply cannot compete when they're, the corporations now are like, Walmart won't pay its own people a living wage. Uh, some ridiculous amount of like over half of Walmart employees are on some form of, of government assistance because they can't live on what they're paid. And that's, I don't understand how we allow that to keep going. Because the bottom line of capitalism is profit. And, and that's true. Line, to cut profit is... And to reduce your labor force. And now we have technology. And technology can do that. You know, the self-scanners, they take four human jobs away. That's true. Four. And I'm being guilty. I I get mad at myself. I try not to go to Walmart. But sometimes you just end up, you're like, crap, I got to go to Walmart and I hate myself. We were talking about, you know, uh, sensitivity to other people. And so we recently had an election in Alabama. And there's an interesting sound clip that goes with that. Fake news would tell you that we don't care for Jews. I tell you all this because I've seen it all, so I just want to set the record straight while they're here. One of our attorneys is a Jew. 
That's the ultimate, yeah. ultimate well, racist comment. But some of my best friends. But, but she doesn't <laughs> think it, it was wrong. I have gay Correct. friends. Right. Like, <laughs> friend. yeah. Right. She yeah. doesn't think it's wrong she because her wrong. entitlement yeah. blinds her. Yeah. When I heard that I, and I watched it on TV, I went, you're kidding. Yeah, but 51% of the population is just like, yeah, see, she's right. <laughs> and they didn't see anything wrong right, with it yeah. either. Uh-huh. We are now in the minority. We're now in the upside down. Idiocracy is coming true. Okay. I could I could use Roy Moore to make a really bad joke. And Please you can edit do. it out if you want to. Well, it could be a, a good thing for us kinky people because obviously pedophilia is now acceptable. Yeah. So what other... Well, here, but here's the thing. In... in what other sexual deviance? Well, no, no. In Kentucky and in Alabama, girls as young as 14 can get married with their parents' per- permission. And, you know, one of the worst sound bites to come out of that whole thing was a man who said, hell, 40 years ago in Alabama, I don't know a mama or daddy who wouldn't want yeah. their 14-year-old daughter being hit on by a district attorney. Yeah. Oh, my what God. What the hell yeah. is that? Yeah. I mean, well, the again, truth. It, I know it's oh, yeah, true, it, 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 but it, 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 rolls, the truth. it rolls back down to this economic situation, right? You know, mm-hmm. marry the quicker, him off to the, yeah, the quicker you marry them off, the quicker you're not legally or financially responsible for them. And that's right. a good husband who can provide exactly. for her. Exactly. Put morally in there, also. Okay. You know. <laughs> well, well, so many of these people who believe these things are are based so much of their morality on a book that says it's okay to you know sell off your daughters to. Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't that in the Old Testament, though? So it was the but old they, New, yeah, they they new Testament. But they they can choose. They pick what and choose what they, they want. And choose which, yeah. You know what killed the Bible for me is when I got to reading about Lot and the angels that were in his house, and the crowd of terrible people in Sodom came and said, "Throw us those angels. We want to do things to them." And Lot said, "No, you can't because they're angels. But here are my two virgin daughters." Take them and do what you want with them. And I'm thinking, this was the last good man that God was going to save out of all of Sodom? Yeah. And I'm, I, 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 would ask, I would ask my Bible teachers, can you explain this verse to me? And they couldn't. Now, if I had been lucky enough to be raised in another religion that actually would admit, well, the book was written by man and some things, you know, we have to find the wisdom in it and separate it from the... But no, I was I was raised by Southern Baptists who said no. God dictated every word of that the way He meant it. Oh, dictated. in English, uh, yeah, in English, yeah, yeah. yeah which went, <laughs> which was edited by a king, a, oh, yeah. a gay king, which he was working from the Greek, which was. Oh, did you see one of the It was an oral history. It was an oral history passed down. Uh, Never mind. This is off the subject, but one (laughs) of the most hysterical things I saw was they had some spokesperson for Roy Moore being interviewed by CNN about his belief that Muslims could not run for office (laughs) because they would have to swear on the Bible and they can't swear on the Bible. And the the reporter was going, "Um, it's a Bible because that's what the person chooses. You swear on anything. You swear on the table. the guy was literally mouth on the floor, yes. fish-eyed, going... Blinking. Yeah. He, just, that was he the best thought it was a blink law. Ever. Yeah. And he was just hysterical. Yeah, that was funny. But now, we are the kinky cast. Yes, we are. What's the prognosis, the future for kink rights in this environment? I think it's really bad. They came for the Jews and I wasn't one. Yes. <laughs> and then they came for me. I have used that line for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. though. And we are still supposedly growing and stronger. Well, so much of the the social progress we made 
gay marriage and transgender. So many things were improving, which made you think that all people, if those tight traditional values are loosening up to accept other people, that it would sooner or later have to be good for us. Well, now you see all of that being eroded backwards. They're even going after women's health production rights uh, again. We thought Roe versus Wade settled this, but no, they're doing everything they can to take that back. If you've got a, a government and a society that the majority says you don't have a right to terminate a pregnancy that you don't want to carry to term, even if you were raped or it endangers your life, what the hell are they going to say about people like us who want to tie each other up and beat ourselves for fun? Again, everybody's going to have to go back underground. That's yeah. what I was getting ready to say. Or you have to stand up and fight for what you want and well, keep on fighting well, and get you know, more powerful and get more people now, together. Now, on, on the bright side, I mean, didn't didn't we have this last go-around of elections? Did not, didn't we have either a governor or a mayor of a very large city who was transgendered actually get yes. elected? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, state uh, senate. That uh, Virginia. Was, it was Virginia. The person that she won against is the person who introduced the bathroom bill bathroom to begin bill. with. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So. That was a huge, beautiful day. As far as the LGBTQ community goes, the vast majority of Americans, Republican, conservative, whoever, 60, 70 percent of Americans really have gotten behind uh, marriage equality. I feel like the kinky community really needs to grasp all of the things that the LGBTQ community did to really forward their agenda and their rights. And that does take people who are willing to stand up and fight and have their face as the face of the movement where there are so many people in the kinky community who are so afraid. I mean, how many people can we not even get out to, like, won't come to a munch or won't come to a club? Well, let's be really specific when we talk about standing up and fighting. The main thing that people need to do is be informed and take part in the political process. If I hear one more person say to me, well, I didn't like either of them, so I didn't vote. I'm like, you asshole, you elected Trump. Yeah. You don't think you did, but you did. Right. Well, we no had, choices We, we just had, had a race that came down to one vote. Currently, it's tied. It's going to be a flip of a coin. Who wins that race? You have to be informed. You have to go out and vote. You have to know who's in tune with the social progress that we want. Our team community, though, is the most politically apathetic yeah. group. Uh, they are afraid to write a letter to their representatives on whatever level just saying, this is not right. Don't do this. They don't have to claim that I'm participating or anything. No, they're afraid to put their name to that it. They, this is not morally right to punish this group. Well, a sad thing is, and you know it too, I've heard so many kinksters say, well, what do gay rights have to do with me? We hear it. Yeah. What do trans rights yeah, have to do? That, that has nothing to do with me. When people understand how they're being disadvantaged, although disadvantage may be different for each group and each individual— once we all understand that we're being adversely affected, then maybe we can pull together. But until we understand that group dynamic, yeah, so many kinksters. it's going to be it's going to be the kinksters and the transgen and the homosexuals and yeah, I mean we're dividing ourselves. Well, so many kinksters I think are in this bubble of unreality denial that they think that what that they're protected and okay, but they only think that because the police haven't shown up at their door. Nobody's filed charges against them. They haven't been involved in a nasty custody battle. It's so easy for that to flip. And suddenly all these things that you didn't think you needed protection from, you realize you don't have that protection. 
Well, Wait we have minute. we I'm, have leaders in our in our local community that are proclaiming that BDSM is perfectly legal. Ooh, that's they scary. are proclaiming that that because nobody's ever been charged, there's no worry. And if we think that, we're all going to end up in jail at some point. So we had a local dungeon closed down recently. Is has there been any legal action well behind in, the scenes that anybody knows about? And in 2017, there were there have been several uh, communities that had dungeons that were closed. A lot of them they voluntarily closed. I think in Texas there were at least two. We're going to see regulatory authority used against us much more often. It's an easy method. It's expensive to fight, and it's fairly easy for prosecution. Yes. And again, it takes a lot of effort to make those changes, and there's a lot of expenditure in making that effort, putting your face out there, writing the letters, making the phone calls. From everybody, I mean, when that happened, when when that club closed, everybody kind of scurried. Nobody wanted to put their face out there, their name out there. Nobody wanted to write a letter. And even the person who runs that club kind of hid his face from the news cameras and tried to, I mean. It didn't do him much good. They had his picture all over the No, but it looked dirty. Yeah. You know, it looked like there was something to be ashamed of. It looked like this was shady. And it certainly didn't do anybody any favors. Well, and this comes to the debate of, is a BDSM club a sex club? By the definition they put on sex club, yes, it is. You get naked and you do things that may lead to orgasm. That's sex. By the by the definition, we have allowed our lawmakers to put in place. It applies. We allowed our lawmakers to put that in place because we didn't want to stand up for the swingers and say, no, we didn't need, uh, you know, we didn't want to stand up for them. Now, granted, they were way out there in left field on that. Yeah, but everybody stood back and snickered when when that place got shut down and moved and tried, you know, it, it was the butt of many jokes. Including among us. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. We have to start looking out for the common good of everybody. And we're not willing to do that yet. Marla's totally right. We just haven't realized it yet. BDSM isn't a sex club. I don't want to go. I agree. <laughs> I what, agree. Why is being a sex club a bad, dirty <laughs> I, word? I mean, but a lot of them are under the guise of social club. That way they don't have to fall into the city regulations. And when I say city, I'm talking about any city. If you're a sex club, you can't be within you know so many feet of a school. Uh, and well, you're always it's going to be more harsh. The yeah. uh, the, the yeah. eyes looking at you are going to be more harsh. It's going to be more stringent. There's going to be more. But that may be what we have to do. Mm-hmm. How many people don't want to give their name, don't want to give their real name? They find out they have to give a copy of their driver's license to go in or whatever. If they're actually walking into a club that is zoned as a sex club, known as a sex how many people are going to back away? Well, in many cases, that's a 21 club also. And so they have to have, you know, proof of age. Yeah. You know, show driver's license. Yeah. Well, it's an unfortunate thing that sometimes I would love to be in a position where I could go down and stand in front of Nancy Amons and go, let me tell you what this is really about and why you're wrong. But I can't. Number one, it would kill my mother. Number two, I don't know what kind of effect it would have on my livelihood. And that is always the bottom line. You just don't know. Right. Because we don't have any rights. Protections. There's no right. protection exactly. for me. But you do not have to put your livelihood on the line. I can stand up for gay rights. 
I'm not a gay man. Oh, yeah. I mean, I write I, letters and I, yeah. We can stand up, but we're not even doing that. We're not standing up for each other's rights. Well, speak for you yourself. You have to say we are a member of this club or we go to this club or we want to go to this club or we participate in the same things. We can still say the people who attend this club have the right to have this club and do what they want to do as long as they are consenting adults. Mm-hmm. I get where you're coming from. Yeah. I'm in a way lucky that I don't have, my parents aren't living, my grandparents aren't living, so I'm not going to kill my mom. (laughs) But at the same time, I have a child. I don't want her to be ostracized. However, she's old enough. She knows what's in that other room. My mother actually kind of knows what's in that other room, but it would kill her for other people that she knows to know. Right. It's plausible deniability. Yeah. Yeah. But here we are. We're doing the same thing. We're talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. my mother doesn't want anybody to know I'm on antidepressants. I mean, that to her freaks her out. So, right. Yeah. It's Again, the so culture of secrecy we, does us more harm if than it we, does good. The people who are, some of the people in this room are some of the most vocal in this community. Mm-hmm. If we aren't willing to do it, who is? Yeah. Because, I mean, on the other hand, when you're weighing something like the Channel 4 story, say what you will about the head of, of the club. They really did a number on putting his face and his personal information. Yes. I it, mean, was bad journalism. Oh, yeah. it was bad Absolutely. journalism. Absolutely. It was bad journalism. And so I'm thinking, even if somebody had stood up and said, well, I'm not a member of this club, would they have believed that? Would they have suddenly started throwing that person's picture up going, and this person was willing to? So we've. Well, this is, this is what makes the current uh, president's claim so easy to believe is we do have sensational journalism out there. Mm-hmm. And it's enough of a grain of truth that it makes the rest of the claims easier to believe. And see, we're saying the president, but uh, don't forget the VP. Oh, yeah. No. Mm. The whole administration. He's a little nightmare in waiting. Yeah. yeah. And yes. then, then there's that little uh, leprechaun guy. Uh, You've been watching Saturday Night Live. I take offense oh. to that. <laughs> I, I so take offense to that. Uh, being Irish? He's like the elf on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ruin the elf on the show. <laughs> I've had so elf much fun with the elf on the show. They're scary. They're scary. You're the leprechaun. The elf on the shelf the should leprechaun. be one of us. He's a voyeur. You so. yourself as a leprechaun. You know, over the last year, I've had many conversations with my sisters, two of who are on the other side. I call the dark side. They're Republicans. And uh, my oldest sister and I were both for Hillary. And so we were in uh, Myrtle Beach in October and we were having a discussion which kind of got heated and I asked my sister I said why would you put him in the White House after knowing the kind of person he is towards women towards people who have different color skin and different religions why would you put him in the White House to govern over all the people why would you do that well, I'm not going to put Hillary in there. What did she do wrong that you hate? I mean, the hate that was coming out of her voice was just, I was like taken aback. I was like, what did she do to you that makes you come across sounding like you could just kill her? I mean, that's, Hmm. hate was like, Mm -hmm. just, she said, I just didn't like her. I said, well, what did she do though? Well, she broke the law. Well, what <laughs> law did she break? Well, you know, that Benghazi thing. I said, what Benghazi thing? What did she do? You know, I kept 
pushing it and kept pushing it and kept pushing it. And finally she said, well, her hair. Did you see her hair? Her stringy hair. You know when she let her oh, hair grow out? Because you know it's said, uglier than Trump's hair. Are you kidding me? You, yeah. did, you voted for Trump because Hillary's hair? I said, that's what's wrong with this country right now that's and with right. women right now is that you can't support another woman because you're going to look at her and put her down for the way she looks. But you're not going to do that for some orange guy. His hair is the worst comb over ever. You're going to put her down? I was in tears. I was so angry. I don't blame I just you. said, okay. So they said, I can't believe you're getting so upset. I said, well, this is serious business. And I had no more words. So I had to walk away. But I mean, that's what's wrong. People don't know how to really communicate how they're feeling. And they're hiding behind what someone else has told them. Yeah, they don't know how to go do the research. No. They don't know. And they're, they're just watching one news station. And they're getting all their news from that. And they're just like us. We might be listening to one person about what's going on in the kink community. And uh, we're not doing the research. We're not doing the education. Whatever. It's all about. Um, educating yourself on what's going on around you. Yeah, exactly. You're 100 percent right. Well, Yay! Edu- edu- I'm right. Edu- oh. Educating. I know each you other. were waiting for my stamp of approval, Leah. <laughs> I think it's more about educating each other, not just ourselves, but well, you have to start with yourself. Yes, and then spread the wealth. Right. Well, you know what I think is wrong with this world. I take everything back to reality TV. That's where it all went wrong. Well, I mean, seriously, everything suddenly became about not what was real or valid or important, but what was flashy, interesting. People got rewarded for the worst behavior they could. The now, worst how far they do you acted. go back on that? Um, uh, the Bachelor. Some people say uh, <laughs> MTV's MTV, Real World. MTV, Real World, the first World, episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I go and for I've, it. you know, you've even had stars that it destroyed their marriage. Mm. Oh. Uh, it was an ex wrestler famous wrestler that said hulk hogan yeah so that was the worst thing nfl player Deion sanders mm-hmm. said it was the worst thing getting on reality tv you know so but i think it's it, it's caused a lot of people especially people younger who have grown up more with that being just the, the wallpaper of their life they lose the distinction between what's re- entertainment and what the real world Correct, is yeah. i think a lot of people look at donald trump as this massive reality TV, the president, you know, and let's see what he did this week, you know. You're fired. Well, and, and I know so many women that The Bachelor, they're setting up this expectation for their dating lives based on what they're seeing on television. Get and and the reason they didn't like Hillary's hair is the same reason they didn't like that contestant on The Voice. They didn't like that outfit they were wearing. Did they not know what they looked like in that outfit? Mm. Okay, now let's take that reality and run with it. Let's take this group of people in this room Bring in all the cameras, and they're going to follow us around, and we're going to make a kinky reality show. Wish we could. Oh, my God. They'd be so Let's bored with it. Let's do it. Be bo- <laughs> that, that'd be terribly bored with mine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but when, there used to be a trading spaces where the, the they would go and they right. would change yeah. houses. Yeah. Uh-huh. I always thought you should do trading dungeons. We could get us and, you know, Impact well, over in Memphis, you could and we do- could... Oh it would have been gosh. a great show. You could do sub swap, like wife swap. <laughs> <laughs> sub swap. Well, see, they have um, they have something similar like which for swingers, but it's like a reality. But it just seems so scripted out. You know, it just doesn't seem oh. authentic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
because now even reality isn't real enough. It's Correct, not yeah. outrageous enough. It's not loud enough. It's not crude enough Correct, yeah. to get the ratings. Not yeah, everybody yeah. can be the Kardashians. I know. Oh, my God. Thank God. Yeah. What happened to them? I haven't they're heard still, anything. They're still out Chloe's there. Chloe's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. I love the Kardashians. Don't, don't, don't bash the Kardashians. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to bite my tongue. Yeah. yeah. Is she and Jenner? Oh, no. Caitlyn Jenner's gone bye-bye from that group, I think. Yeah. Caitlyn Jenner, the person we want to love, but Josh, she just uh, makes it so hard. They they couldn't make an agreement about closet space and the shoe fights just, you know. (laughs) I understand about the shoe fights. Come on. My shoe See, this is where I fall short. I'm sorry. I'll always go for a joke. Even if it's in bad taste. (laughs) All right, Al. Okay, I'll shut up now. Well, (laughs) we've driven this truck into the ditch for another year. And so I want to thank uh, the whole crew for showing up for this one. And, and, you know, it's 2018. It's got to be better, right? Please, God. God, we hope so. (laughs) November of 2018 is our hope. Positivity. Is the key. Midterm elections. And and that is, yes, November. (laughs) go out and vote. (laughs) November 2018, we have a chance to swing Congress back into our field so that we can get our rights, whether it is transsexual, whether it's gay, whether it's kinkster rights, whatever those are. But let's at least get active, get politically active and do something about it. If you don't like what you see, fix it we need to fight for human rights there you go first and foremost because that's that's what we're losing yes absolutely and that encompasses everything you know that's let's just be honest human rights we're interested in human rights all right well down the road we go it's another year so happy new year everybody happy Happy new year Year. happy new year you have been listening to episode 204 of the kinky cast For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we present Robert Dante on Wits.